the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Good morning, I'm Stephen Gaines, in case... You think I don't sound like Dottie Herman, and I don't, because Dottie is in Las Vegas. She's a speaker at a big event there. Uh, she's not getting married or gambling away a fortune. She's a keynote speaker. But you're in good hands. I'm here, and attorney Andrew Lieb is with me today. And so uh, Ace Watsona Supop will shortly be here with us. And also insurance expert Mike Conti is going to join us at the top of the second hour. Um, Ace uh is not here at the moment, but he is vice president of Citizens Bank. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you more about Ace when he shows up. He's stuck in traffic or something. Um, but we'll tell you more about that later. But I will tell you about Andrew Lieb, who is with us. Andrew is a real estate attorney with a major practice in New York and Long Island. Good morning, Andrew. How you doing, Stephen? Okay, good. I, I could uh, I could hear you a bit better. Are you as close to the phone as you can get? Uh, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm almost live. I'm here. Where? <laughs> I'm alive. You're alive. Maybe they can just turn it up at the at the studio. Uh, that would be Andrew's super an expert cool. on. Re- Let's say again. That would be super cool if they can make us yes, hear each would, other. Yes, that would. That would be. You sound far, far away. In any I'm event, right here. I don't know why. I'll no, I know. It's all this technical stuff. You. We're in very, very different places. I mean, I'm in a studio in Bridgehampton. The the. Uh, the radio station is in Manhattan on Lower Broadway. And where are you? I'm in East Mauritius because I have to go to West Hampton Beach today. I have needing surfing today. You have what surfing? I need to go surfing. It's very important Oh, you important need to go to surfing. Health. I thought you said you had a meeting of surfing. No, you know, no, no, I, no, 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 Stephen. I, I, I'm, I'm making myself. I wanted to come see you, but then I would miss the waves. And you've got to get the tide right. So I'm, I'm going right there. Sometimes we make a lot of waves here, Andrew. But I don't blame no. you for wanting to go surfing today. I hope you have a great time. The surfing attorney, Andrew's an expert on real estate law, and he's also very busy lecturing and teaching real estate to agents and brokers. You know, there's this expression, a doctor's doctor or a lawyer's lawyer, which is somebody, you know, the the uh, the other people turn to for information and guidance. And Andrew is a, a real estate lawyer's lawyer. There are a few attorneys as well-versed, and if you have a problem or a legal question you'd like answered uh, before Andrew slips into his surfing clothing, please give us a ring at 866-970-9622. And at 11 o'clock, Mike Conti, our brilliant insurance expert, is coming back. 
Um, Mike is a principal at Hoden Conti Perino Insurance Agency here in New York. He also advertises on this station. He's a former president of the Council of Insurance Brokers of Greater New York. Is without doubt the most knowledgeable insurance expert in New York. And if you don't believe me, stay tuned. He's just quite remarkable. Today he wants to talk about swimming pool liabilities. I think it's a very, very big question because there are now all sorts of rules if you own a home, how big the fence has to be around the swimming pool, at least in my community. You have to have the swimming pool completely gated in. And then even if you do that, if your friends come over to swim and somebody has an accident, what is your liability? Where is that covered? So Andrew, uh, Mike Conti is going to talk about that later, and um, you can reach us at 866-970-9622, or you can email us at radioshow at com, or you can follow Dottie on Facebook and Instagram. Or Instagram. All you have to do is look up uh, Dottie Herman on either one of those and see what Dottie is up to. Um, Andrew, I have a question for you. Um, this is a Dear Dottie uh, query that came in, uh, but uh, it says Dear Dottie, but I'm Dear Stephen here. So, Andrew. I make a nice Dottie. The right, <laughs> yes, is that a, a very pretty Dottie. That's who a, I am. Pretty and high-powered. My you father, this is, this, is, this is the question. My father passed away uh, and left his co-op to me, his son. It's not a fancy co-op. It's on Ocean Parkway in Brooklyn. I don't want to sell it. I might use it occasionally. Oh, you won't believe this. I live in Cinema Riches, the guy says. That's where my you neighbor. are. My neighbor. I live in Cinema Riches, and it would be great to have a place to stay near the city. The co-op board wants to see a my dad's will, my personal taxes for the last three years. What rights do I have? Can they turn me down and force me to sell my father's apartment? What's the story? So... I want to go back to a thing you said a second ago before I even answer your question, because I think the listeners need to understand this. You said, I teach a lot of people, and I'm a lawyer's lawyer. And there's a confusion when you're teaching, and I've been battling this for my whole career. When I answer questions as an instructor, I'm saying how not to get into a lawsuit, into a legal mess. I am a litigator, too, so I can give two different answers to this question. But in the simplest terms, most co-ops have what's called an occupancy requirement. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And they say, we don't want transient people that come and go, and you won't, you won't clean your garbage, and you won't get the mail out the door. And they say, we have a minimum requirement. So it's possible they could say, using it occasionally is not going to work, Stephen, because they want a neighbor who's going to be there. But, Andrew, doesn't that, it, it, doesn't that really, really apply to a first-time tenant? When so, Somebody warned me years ago when I was going to buy a pied-a-terre in New York City, just a small place to stay, that when I went in front of the co-op board that I should tell them that that was going to be my primary residence. And I understood that then, although I said the other side of the argument is I won't be using the elevator, I won't be using the heat, I won't be walking on the rugs and dirtying things. I'd probably be a, a, economically a better tenant than somebody who is there all the time. So there's that, A, I don't understand that part, and, and B, um, if it was your dad's apartment, don't they, won't they feel differently? I mean, it's not like a stranger is coming to say, hey, I'm going to you know, show up there for a couple of nights a month and, and party. What you know what you're saying? It's so interesting. And I, I talk to so many people that say, here's why I'm right. And you sound like you're right. But you know what cops are learning these days? If they have different rules 
and they apply them to people differently, then they get sued for discrimination. So what ends up happening these days with co-ops is they need to look to their bylaws and they have to establish a uniform house rule that says, for illustration, you must be here 183 days a year or you're violating the house rules and we could ticket you and we could, we could say we're going to foreclose on you. So I don't know the answer to this specific question because I haven't seen the house rules or the bylaws. But as a co-op attorney, I would tell you without a shadow of a doubt, they shouldn't say, Stephen, you make a good argument, you'd make a good neighbor. Because you know what? Someone who's not Stephen Gaines is going to say, you know what? I, I'm African-American. I'm Indian. I'm Hispanic. And that's why you're changing the rules, not because Stephen's making a good point. So a co-op to insulate itself, and they say this in a famous case called Mancuso v. Douglas Elliman, actually. You have to have a pre-existing owner-established rationale. And what's the key to that? You can't apply different rules when you meet the person. So the question is, what does those house rules say to start off with? And did those house rules come about from the bylaws? So, Stephen, there was a second question that you said, though. They want to see the dad's will, and I thought that was a little peculiar, and I'm going to tell you why. A will means very little unless it's been admitted to probate. So what I would think they would want to see is what's called letters testamentary that says the judge has ordered, hey, you're the executor, first of all. And second of all, I think that they would want from that the will to be able to see where the distributions are going. That was my take when I was hearing this. So – it doesn't it absolutely does not matter if your dad mom and dad let's say have lived in that apartment for 30 years you have well, to I, don't, I'm not, I don't want to say that i think it matters what the bylaws and house rules say so a lot of people and you were getting into this you were saying i'm a good neighbor i'm going to invest in my property i'm going to do the right stuff and what i hear when you're saying that is i have a argument i have morals i have ethics i'm a good person and what lawyers understand is that the contract is your ethics, your morals, your religion. And the contract in this sentence is the house rules and the bylaws. So the only way to answer this, my neighbor, my neighbor's question from Mariches, you know, I want to help them out, is to read those house rules and the bylaws. Now, if the arguments are contrived, they're pretextual, it sounds like they're covering off something that's not okay, and maybe she'd have rights. But you've got to start with the documents. And so in the long run, they can actually turn this guy down and force him to sell I, his I can't say apartment. yes or no, Stephen, because, again, without the documents, if they're going against their own rules, then it sounds like something's not kosher here. And then maybe they want to go fight for it. But let's go to my statement, how I introduced my response. I said to you, Stephen, I'm an I'm a, uh, 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 educator and I'm an attorney. The question is, how rich is this person in Centum Riches, and how much money do they want to allocate to fight with this Brooklyn apartment? So, you know, being right isn't everything. Uh, uh, clients come to me in litigation, and they tell me how right they are, and I go, are you $10,000 right? Are you $50,000 right? Are you $200,000 right? At what point does being right not matter to you? Well, I guess, you know, when people get involved in a legal battle, I guess that they lose all sense of how much right they, how much <laughs> in terms of dollar ter uh, signs and how much they're, uh, they're right. I don't know what I would do. I'm just I'm confused here because I'm trying to think, how would I react in this situation? Well, I suppose Steven. I would turn over this stuff to them, and if they approve me, they approve me for the co-op board. 
Well, Stephen, uh, again, I want to start off with what I'm suggesting. Read the House rules and read the bylaws and so know this the guy, rules. So this guy, his father died, he can ask for the, for the bylaws oh, and yeah. the House rules? He yeah. should have a lawyer, shouldn't he, Andrew? Yeah, and they should read the House rules and the bylaws. Step one, you know, a lot of people, I was actually just dealing with the Department of State, and I was dealing with them for a client of mine, and I asked a question for an opinion. And the uh, regulator wrote me back, I know him, he wrote, did you expect me to write something different? And I said, a good lawyer knows the answer before they ask the question. Always. What that I've means is that. You, shouldn't, you shouldn't give them anything until you know what documents would be good to give them to advance your case. And you can't know which documents are going to be good to advance your case until you know the gauntlet in which we're going. And the gauntlet comes down to what the House rules and bylaws say. So step one, as you say, Option A, hire an attorney. Option B, get your reading glasses on. Step two is determine how you want to move forward in the best way forward. And I want to go back to what I said a second ago, Stephen. I'm an attorney in Colorado, and when I became an attorney in Colorado, um, they, they make you take an ethics course. And I'm going to tell you what's interesting about the course. They said when a client wants to do a litigation purely because they're right, never take the case. Hmm? And Why? Why right. never take a case if a client thinks, I'm right, I'm being wronged, I should take the case? Because when you start writing checks to your lawyer, your I'm right dissipates quickly. I see. So everything see. has to be a cost-benefit analysis. The question becomes, how much is this co-op? You know, if we're talking about a $20 million co-op, it's very different than if we're talking about a $400,000 co-op. Well, he says How it's not a fancy How motivated are they going to yeah. stay there? How much are they going to stay there? How, who's on the board? How much do they want to fight with them? There's so many questions that we have to ask. And at the end of the day, maybe, just so we're clear, if they are going to sell it, they don't want to tick off the co-op board first, who could be a barrier in their ability to sell it and devalue the property. Right, exactly. Exactly. You know, I once got into a lawsuit with somebody over a piece of real estate, actually, many, many years ago. And he said to me, uh, you know, you made a mistake getting into this with me because he said, I have so much more money than you. And I said, without really thinking about it, but I'm willing to spend it. And, and, and it turned out to be the truth. I mean, I knew what I was getting into. I knew that I was going to have to write out these checks. And once that happened to him two or three times, he didn't like it, even though maybe he had, you know, a hundred times more money than I did. People don't like writing out checks for lawsuits, as you probably well know. So I don't think people I, like writing checks for anything. Maybe dinner. That's about <laughs> it. <laughs> That's morning, possible. That's possible. Uh, dear Dottie, what's an escalation clause? Does this mean that my bid automatically goes up when I try to buy a house? What's, what is an escalation clause, Andrew? I think you hit it precisely. It means that you offer a number, and when there's a higher number, you'll go up, and you're going to go up in your bid. I'm going to say to you, though, the problem with that is that presupposes the people you're hiring understand what they're doing. And that also presupposes they're telling you the truth. So Wait, I'm, I'm confused. You, you, this is permission. This, this is like at an auction gallery. You give somebody permission to keep on raising your bid, raising your bid up until a certain point. Is an escal escalation clause automatic? Exactly. So let's say, and we could be in an auction house. It could be, I just say to my buyer's agent when I'm buying a house, here's a, my offer. There's an escalation clause. If they get a higher offer, come higher. It could be used in multiple different ways. It's just in a real estate contract, usually that's where you would see it. It would say, listen, here's the number. 
if it goes up, it goes up. Where I would see it probably um, the most is that let's say you were going to have, you could probably do an option contract with an escalation clause saying that you have the option to buy at this price, but if there's a higher number, then it escalates up, which would be a hybrid of an option and a right of first refusal. But again, um, it's more of a commercial thing. I want to go back to that. That's where I would see it very often because my first statement was you have to presuppose all the parties to the transaction understand to do it and that they're being honest. And, you know, I trust people as far as I can see them. Right. I think honesty is the thing because somebody could come back and say, okay, well, they went up by ten grand. Now you automatically have to go up by ten grand. I think the important thing is to see the bids that other people are making so you know for sure that you really have to match a higher number. Stephen, you would be a good lawyer. I'm going to tell you. I, I, I think you might, if you want a side gig, because what I think is that, and I always say this about contracts, people say, I want this. And I say, this isn't this. There's not a uniform form. People always ask me, do you have a form for that? Well, what you just suggested, so smart, is that you think an escalation clause should be coupled with a notice provision and a disclosure provision. And I couldn't agree with you more. That's brilliant. I would just think they were automatically, but thank you for calling me brilliant. It's my first time today, so I, I won't do it again. It. Don't worry. Stephen Andrew, is brilliant. Another question, another dear daddy question. What is a land lease? Now, I know what a land lease is under a skyscraper. It's like they've leased the land for 100 years or something. But can houses also have a land lease? So let's say what you said it was a second ago. Am I hearing Ace in the background, too? Yes, I thought I heard I'm him. I'm here, guys. I need you guys to bring up the sound in the studio a little bit more, my headphones, or maybe it's happening. Uh, it should happen here in my studio. Hi, Ace. How hi, are you? Hi, Stephen. I'm sorry I'm late. I, I hit NYC traffic, so I apologize. Well, we understand <laughs> what that's like, but it's good to have you here with us. We were just um, following up on a question, a Dear Dottie question that uh, she got in, through an email. Uh, what is a land lease? And I said I knew what a land lease was with a skyscraper. Um, there could be a 100-year lease under yeah. the property. But uh, I asked Andrew if he knew um, if the, a house could have a land lease. No, that's a great and question. So the answer is anything could have a land lease, and it goes back to our prior conversation, though. How expensive is this house? Where is the property? So where would you see it? You see it mostly in commercial when you're outside of these skyscrapers. But assuming for argument's sake that your family owns a peninsula um, in the Hamptons that's the property's worth hundreds of millions of dollars, potentially you could give a land lease and let people live there for a certain amount of time and make the money. But it's really not something you see on a traditional residential property because the valuation of doing these transaction costs isn't net positive. What I mean by that is clients always say, can I do this? The question isn't, can I do it? The question should be, should I do it? Do you understand the distinction there? So when we're dealing with a co-op and we're going to build on a land lease, I have a co-op in the city that has a land lease, that makes perfect sense. Why? Because the lease is worth so many millions of dollars that it's worth the transaction cost. But if you're going to go do something in Holbrook, and the whole property, the real estate's worth $150,000 maybe, what's the point? And that doesn't mean the house is worth 150, but the real estate, what's that going to cost? 100,000, 150 to do the long-term land lease? I don't think makes so much sense. Oh, what do you think, so, Ace? Andrew? You own a you own a, a co-op in New York City that has a land lease. I do, and it was a real bummer when the land lease expired and our maintenance went up. Yeah, that's wow. I cried a little. That was a sad day. 
Ace, have you had an experience like that? Yes, yeah, Steven. I actually lease? own at Battery Park City, the Visionaire, and uh, we have a land lease there as well, you know, so. It's amazing to me, you know, I just, I never really heard of, of residences having a, a land lease. When we come back, I want to tell you a little bit about Ace Watana Suparp and um, about millennials getting down payments for houses and what Citizens Bank can do for you. So we will be back uh, right after this word from our sponsors. The following is a true story. My name is David Bryant. When I was 37, my wife and I decided to get term life insurance through SelectQuote. Just three years later, I was diagnosed with ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Because of life insurance, the people I love most in this world will be protected no matter what happens to me. I know that the dreams I have for my family can still come true. Financial security, to stay in the home we became a family in, and for our children to be able to go to college. I reached out to SelectQuote because I wanted to share my story. If just one person purchases life insurance, I know I will have made a difference. SelectQuote can find a 37-year-old male a $500,000 policy for under a dollar a day. If there are people you care about, you need life insurance. It may be the single most important financial decision of your life. Don't put off protecting your family. Get your free quote now. Call 800 that's 800-671-7070. 800-671-7070. Or go to selectquote.com. This is a paid endorsement. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Not available in all states. We're surrounded by noise. Bombarded by information. Messages struggling to get attention. So many ways to reach customers. Your message needs to cut through and stand out. For the resources and know-how to make it all work, there's Salem Surround. Get started with a free evaluation of your digital presence and some great ideas to increase your online visibility and revenue. Learn more at surroundnewyork.com. Surroundnewyork.com. Connecting you with new customers. Guys, waking up over and over to urinate is not okay. But now you can reduce those nighttime bathroom trips with the ingredients in Super Beta Prostate P3 Advanced. We're talking about less urges to urinate at night, less bathroom trips during the day, and better bladder emptying. It's like taking three prostate supplements in one. You can try a full 30-day bottle of P3 Advanced, free. Just pay shipping and handling. No strings attached, no obligations, and no commitments to buy. This is a 30-day supply, absolutely free. Call 1-800-458-7294. Super Beta Prostate is the best-selling brand in major retailers like Walmart. But for this no-strings-attached free bottle, you must call now. Call 1-800-458-7294. Don't miss out on this unprecedented free offer. 1-800-458-7294. 1-800-458-7294. For our Ask the Lawyer friends and listeners, you can attend any of Connors & Sullivan's free seminars on elder law, Medicaid, wills, and estate planning, and more. Yes, it's all free and all close to you. So come to Connors & Sullivan's free seminars. On Tuesday, July 30th at the Greenhouse Cafe, 7717 3rd Avenue in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. On Wednesday, July 31st at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. at the New York Marriott at the Brooklyn Bridge, 333 Adams Street, downtown Brooklyn, and on Thursday, 
August 1st at Buckley's, 2926 Avenue S in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn at 11 a.m., 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. Can't go to any Connors & Sullivan's free seminars? Then call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 for your own free office appointment. Make an educated decision on your estate and family legal solutions today. Call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 or go to connorsandsullivan.com. Plan now for later. AM 970 The Answer is giving you the chance to win $1,000 every day for our summer cash contest. Enter for your chance to win by listening to AM 970 for keywords announced at approximately 7.30 a.m., 10 a.m., 12.30 p.m., 4.30 p.m., and 7 p.m. Then go to am970theanswer.com and type in the keyword. This is an Aptivada summer contest with participation from several broadcast company television and radio stations. For each opportunity to win, one winner will be randomly selected from all entries received nationwide. For a complete list of contest rules, go to am970theanswer.com. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Hey, good morning. It's Stephen Gaines sitting in for Dottie, who is away in Las Vegas. But I'm here with Ace Watana Suparp, who is Vice President of Citizens Bank, and also Attorney Andrew Lieb. Um, if you have any questions about financing or if you need advice in getting a mortgage or a home equity loan, now is the time to call. You can speak to ACE right now on the air at 866-970-9622 and get your questions answered by one of the top experts in the financing world. Speaking of which, ACE, yes. there's a study that said only one-third of all millennial renters believe that they can afford a down payment to buy a home, and that turns out that they're wrong. Citizens yeah. is an expert in helping young people solve down payments to um, down payment problems to buy homes, and that's why Citizens has their own down payment assistance program. You'd be surprised at how little down you might qualify for, and you can discuss down payment options or refinancing your student loans, which is another great thing that Citizens offers with a Citizens Bank Home Loan Advisor. You call 1-888-514-2300, 1-888-514-2300. Citizens has a 24-7 customer contact center where you can bank any time of the day or night, and they also offer the convenience of approximately 3,200 ATMs. So... Um, What's happening at Citizens Bank, Ace? Any news? Yes, Stephen. I think that's going to be my life mission, just educating everyone, um, all of our listeners, in, <laughs> in terms of you know, what they can um, do to actually educate themselves and give them the available options that they have, right? So I think yourself, Andrew, we, you know, we meet, and it doesn't have to be, only be millennials. I think any um, consumer that's looking to purchase a home, there's so many available options for them that they just don't know is available. So I think it's it's great that we're doing the show, and hopefully we have callers call in too. You know, we want to hear from you exactly what situation you're going through, and every situation is different. So, But I think, you know, speaking with a an attorney and a banker and a realtor to really explain your situation, you know, you'll be surprised how many options you have and solutions there are out there. So. Last week when you mentioned that if uh, you bought an investment property, if you bought a two-family home, yeah. that because it's financially, I guess, more sound for the bank, um, that you can get a, a down payment? Is, uh, oh, was it a, an interest rate 
that was only 3% or 2.5%. Remind me, Ace. Yeah, you can do an FHA loan, which is the Federal Housing Administration loan. It's um, backed by the government. And you can put as little as 3.5% down. Also, on a, um, I guess, qualification standpoint, you can actually utilize that other unit that you're renting out, and you can use 75% of that income to qualify. So it's amazing. an amazing program. 75% yeah. of the income that you're getting from the apartment that you're renting out. Correct. You can uh, you can use that as income when you have to apply. When That's you, amazing. When you apply, right? So you, you kind of hit two birds with one stone. And, you know, you're not only getting appreciation values as you, you know, go into your primary, but you're actually having someone pay your mortgage um, for you as well. So. You know, it's interesting, Ace. I look at the headlines every day. I mean, I read all the real estate journals and newspapers, and they have such conflicting things. You know, house sales are up or down, and then it turns out house prices are different than house sales, and house starts are different than house sales or prices. And so you don't really know who to look at. And this week I, I read mortgage demand falls again despite lower interest rates. Mm-hmm. And then I read the third paragraph, and it said, Volume was still 34% higher than last year. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what I, I, difference does it make if it fell 1.9%? I think there, there's a tale of two stories here, right? Because the market and because interest rates are so low, um, you know, you're looking at a 30-year 30 30 fix at 3.625. If you're looking at a 7-year arm, you're probably looking at a rate of 3% now, 2.875 um, at best. But... I mean, it's low. It's at an all-time low. So you have a lot of refinances coming in, and the purchase market is still active depending on what price point you're looking at, right? So, What happened last week, last Wednesday? Uh, wasn't the Fed supposed to lower the rates again, or did that not happen last they, Wednesday? They announced that they will lower it, Stephen, so that sort of um, that's, that's already baked into the rates, but um, they have not lowered the rates yet. They just announced that that's later okay. on this year. There is, that, okay. that is a possibility, so... Well, here's a but thank you, uh, Ace, for clarifying that for me. Here's a here's a um, a possibility for um, for everyone that I think would remember when Amazon was going to go to Queens and people saw dollar signs everywhere and we were going to have a million new people in the city or whatever, twenty five thousand new jobs and how terrific it was. And then they they move that uh, central headquarters, one of their central headquarters. I forget where did they move it to, guys? South Carolina. Something like that, North Carolina, and yeah, outside of Washington D.C., I think, uh, Crystal City, I think, is where it was. Well, now Amazon is considering a huge Brooklyn location, not for their headquarters, but they do need to set up more business here in New York City. So they were one of the the uh, locations they were considering was Industry City, uh, which is a, a campus of buildings situated along the waterfront in Sunset Park in Brooklyn wasn't exactly sure. Now, a new announcement has come, which I really am fascinated by, which is that they are going to take over the Lord and Taylor building on Fifth Avenue. Now, for those of you who know Lord and Taylor was on Fifth Avenue for 100 years, as long as I can remember, it was really a wonderful store. They had the best Christmas decorations. And I love the store itself, but they went bankrupt. They closed up. It's a really big department store. So it's it's really great news that Amazon is considering taking over Lord and Taylor. So they will be right in the city. It may not be 25,000 jobs, but it's definitely going to pump a lot of money into our economy. Good news, guys, don't you think? 
Is this Asian. just a headquarters, Stephen? Is this is this going to be a place where I could shop? Because I like shopping at that Lord and Taylor's. <laughs> Am I going and actually physically buy an Amazon? Well, I, d- I don't think it's going to be like an Apple store because it's too big. I think that maybe they will have a street front. I don't know what you can buy from Amazon. I guess mostly anything. No, well, I think can't this- you buy? You could buy everything. Buy everything. No, exactly. But I was thinking you you won't be able to buy everything like in a department store. I, I guess having a brick and mortar store like that would be. No, I think these are going to be offices. Just I think offices. These could, yeah, I think they're going to be offices. I think they need offices in New York City for the various number of business reasons, and it makes sense. So, but who knows? Maybe the first floor you will be able to buy things from Amazon. They're branching out into so many other things that one would never. They're know. everywhere. Amazon's taken yeah. over the world. I don't mind. I like Amazon. I know a lot yeah. of people are against Amazon and they think it's a monopoly, but I've been buying from Amazon for years and years. So I'm I'm pretty happy with their service and it's amazing to me how they can get something to your house the next day. So You know what the best thing about Amazon is? It's about people like you and I that have places out east. And when I first moved out here, Stephen, people would say to me, You're so far from everything. And then Amazon came to town, and I have delivery boxes, and I don't have to drive all the way to Riverhead to go get everything anymore. For, so when people aren't near a metropolis center, and you don't have your Home Depot near you, and you don't have your Target or Walmart near you, that Amazon delivery is like, it's life-sustaining. You have, I even got a garbage can and a recycling can from Amazon delivered to my house because I had such an Amazon addiction, I needed to put the boxes somewhere, so they delivered me the recycling. <laughs> Cycling ban. <laughs> <Andrew>. Sounds like. <laughs> Go ahead, Ace. No, no. I was just gonna say you'd be surprised how many uh, delivery boxes we have in the city, too. You know. So. Oh, it's amazing, it's right? Amazing, yeah. Do you do you have fights with people in the in the building, Ace? That they like you're you're clogging the the the, the room. You know, they in the oh. city, everyone has a a garbage room that you on the floor, and are, are they like your boxes are overtaking? No, I feel like we have an Amazon headquarters downstairs. You know, every, every <laughs> box is from Amazon. It's amazing. <laughs> If you're moving, though, it's easy because you could just go get all those boxes exactly. and you're exactly. ready. You're already ready to move. Yep. When I was a kid, my, my uh, grandfather had a clothing store, a ladies' clothing store. And for the garbage men to pick up all the – everything was shipped in corrugated boxes. So there were just every day another 10 giant corrugated boxes. So the, for the garbage people to pick it up, the boxes had to be slit open and cut down to a certain size and tied with string. And we used to spend hours uh, doing that, but uh, so I do it now when I get an. Amazon. Was that your job at the store? Well, they wouldn't let me. They wouldn't let me hold a razor blade. <laughs> oh, I was only six. <laughs> oh, I was going to say I thought I thought you were older first, and I said I don't know if I want to give you any more knives, Stephen. I was no, getting it worried. Was, <laughs> it was a ladies. It was actually it was a ladies' bra and girdle store. So I had a different job, guarding the <laughs> <laughs> guarding the doors to the to the dressing rooms. Can, I'd like to move on, though, <laughs> about something that really absolutely fascinated me. Now, a, a, a year or two ago, we did something on the show about if you want to have a green card or citizenship in a foreign country, that you can actually buy that by putting a certain amount of money into their economy. Uh, this is really fascinating. I didn't know this was going on in the United States. I, I hear that we're stopping for a break. But it turns out that there are 10,000 green cards available 
to high rollers. And let me explain to you how this works. It's really kind of mind-blowing to me, considering what's going on now with, with immigration and, and building the wall. We'll be right back after this word. Don't go anywhere. You see an actor portraying a lawyer on TV giving a moving final argument. But are real-life lawyers just as persuasive? Some of them actually are. And this weekend on Champions of Justice, Tom Girardi talks with one of them who also happens to be a writer for some of your favorite TV legal shows. It's Lawyers, Liars, and the Art of Storytelling, a fascinating hour. Tune in Champions of Justice, Sunday mornings at 10, here on AM 970, The Answer. I'm Michael Conti. And I'm Michael Honig from Honig Conti Perino Insurance. Our families have been in business since 1902. We want to let you know about some common misconceptions most people have about insurance. Number one, I don't need it. That'll never happen to me. Well, nine out of ten claims are water damage claims. And whether you're a business owner or a homeowner, it's not the thousands of dollars it costs to make the repairs that will shock you, but the tens of thousands of dollars it costs for a temporary office or housing. Bet you didn't know that. Number two, insurance is like a drive through and I can purchase it like a side of fries. The process shouldn't be difficult, but it does require real people that can guide you. Whether providing insurance for your apartment, co-op, condo, house, or your business, Michael Honig and Michael Conti are names you can trust. So call the Michaels today at 212-777-7113. That's 212-777-7113, or visit them online at honigconti.com, H-O-N-I-G-C-O-N-T-E.com. Honig Conti Perino, not just here to provide insurance, but insurance guidance. Maybe you'd like to know what exactly Relief Factor is. It was created by doctors. It's a 100% drug-free supplement with four key ingredients that simply help your own body deal with the natural inflammatory response that it has. It's easy to swallow, four little capsules in each packet, like the packet that I carry with me at all times. Three packets a day for a week, then two packets a day for two weeks, and I have just described the three-week quick start. And you will know in three weeks, that's the beauty of it, whether it works, they don't drag you on. That costs just $19.95. There's a very good chance that a very serious percentage of my listeners suffer from some sort of muscular or joint pain. You should try this for $19.95. That's all you can lose. If it works, they will send it to you automatically. If it doesn't work, tell them not to send any shipments, and it's as simple as that. It is all at relieffactor.com. I've been using it for years now. Relieffactor.com. In an era where it's tough to know which news outlet to trust, at a time where it's difficult to find facts, not just opinion, there is an oasis in the news desert. It's the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis, the personification of the American dream, who built a multi-billion dollar business empire, talks with some of the nation's top newsmakers every Sunday morning at 8.30 a.m. You won't just hear partisan spin. You'll hear directly from the newsmakers who are shaping the news cycle in the city, the country, and the world. On the Cats Roundtable, you won't just hear about politics. You'll hear about science, business, education, animal rights, and any other topics that you're interested in. Catch the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning, starting at 8.30, right after Morano in the Morning on AM 970. The Answer.
this is a cow. A cow whose milk became everyone's favorite cheese at the craft fair. But cheese only lasts so long. The impression a small business makes needs to last much longer. That's why Vistaprint is offering 500 truly personalized business cards starting at $9.99. Choose from hundreds of fresh designs tailored to your type of company. Or upload your own. The choice is yours. The time is now. Get 500 business cards starting at $9.99 with promo code 1313. That's promo code 1313 at vistaprint.com. Vistaprint. Own the now. It's I on real estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Hey, it's Stephen Gaines sitting in for Dottie Herman, who is a a keynote speaker at a convention in Las Vegas this weekend. She'll be back, though, next week. However, I am here with attorney Andrew Lieb and also Ace Watana Suparp, who is our mortgage expert and a vice president of Citizens Bank. If you have any questions, please give us a ring. We're at 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622. So, um, Andrew and Ace, I was uh, reading CNN Business, and uh, it said that there is uh, – I, I knew that in foreign countries you could kind of invest your way into a permanent residency – but I didn't know it was happening here in the United States. So under new rules published Wednesday by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, you have to make a minimum investment in America. Now, the minimum investment, they're called EB-5 visas. The minimum investment for a foreigner (laughs) to come here to get a a green card was 500,000. This year, they they nearly doubled it to $900,000. The real estate industry has warned that the change will choke off funds that started gushing in during the Great Recession when people wanted a safe place to invest in real estate. Um, it, the, the program was uh, invented in 1990 and it encouraged investment in economically distressed areas. So what would happen is um, there were it, it generates this program generates more than $5 billion a year in exchange for nearly 10,000 green cards. Can you imagine? 10,000 green cards are being sold for $5 billion. That number, by the way, they would sell more, but that number is capped by a statute on the law that was passed. Now, of those 10,000 green cards, Chinese applicants take up almost all of the 10,000 spots, and that's $5 billion worth. So um, I guess, and there's a line, I forget how many people are waiting to, it was somewhere in the article, but I mean, there's like a three-year wait. Here it is. Oh, forget three-year wait. The new minimum investment levels don't take effect for another 120 days. The rush will exacerbate a backlog that is already, get ready for this, 16 years long. So if you want one of these 10,000 green cards, you, you have a, a waiting list of, of 16 years. For Chinese investors. Did you know about this, Andrew Ace? Did you know about this? Yeah, this so, is actually really popular. I mean, Andrew can speak to it too. I'm sure he's seen a ton the last couple of years. Andrew? I, I think that beyond what you're saying, though, I want to make it clear that this isn't just about getting money. This is about making jobs Creating happen. jobs, yeah. And the rule is that you have to have 10 jobs that you create with us. And there's ways around this job thing where you can do in-kind jobs where it has economic effects through what's called regional centers. But I'm looking at a statistic as we're talking, Stephen, and it comes back from 2012. They created 42,000 U.S. jobs. 
So we can't just say it's just buying in. It's not just buying in. It's buying in and creating jobs. And that's a very important thing for people to hear because we like people working. Well, how do you create create a, a, a job after you, you give the $900,000 to the U.S. government? Then you have to open up a business here in the property that you – well, you don't buy, but you don't get property for the $900,000. You just get – So it's investments. Card. And investments. so what I was getting at a second ago, and you just hit it completely, you don't get properties at the $900,000. There's not enough money there. And what they've allowed is this thing called a regional center where it pools lots of money together, and then together it can – create enough money to build something big and you can say the effect of this money based on building it creates that amount of jobs you should just google what's called a regional center it's the coolest part of the whole program and we can go back and forth about the policy of whether it's good to be able to buy in or not but i think everyone's a believer in creating jobs yeah andrew to your point there's actually money managers that pull in these eb5 investments and then companies can actually pitch to these money managers their ideas and um, they'll tell you know, they tell the money manager what, what kind of, I guess, what kind of company it's going to be, how many jobs they're creating, and if it qualifies, then they'll get some of this EB five money, um, where it's really. I mean, they were they were auditioning is yeah, right. They, they go to these pretty these much. money managers gather together. Let's say ten people who are each going to put in the nine hundred thousand dollars. Though, let me get wrap my head around this. That goes to the U.S. government. After that, the person that gets the EB five visa will have to invest in something that creates jobs here. Am I correct about that? It's not part of the $900,000, that's just a fee? No, the way I understood it is it's the investment is the $900,000. Oh, I see, um, I see. So it's, not a, it's that you're investing in the U.S., and they're saying there's two ways you have to invest in the U.S. if you want to be able to get this green card. One is give us money. Two is create jobs. And when I say us, it's to the investment to the U.S. So, again... One of the things I always find interesting, Stephen, and I, I don't know the answers to these questions. This is something um, a lot of people don't realize, is they listen to the Fox News or they listen to the MSNBC, and they have tribal beliefs like we should have less immigrants, we should have more immigrants. And one of the things I believe is life isn't so simplistic. And what you have to realize is that everything has pros and con effects. And I'm interested if this $900,000 to $500,000, how that's going to affect jobs. Because at the end of the day, all we want is jobs. So if you're going to have the same amount of jobs, you're telling me there's this big line. Isn't that what you said, Stephen, that there's a line for years years and years to do this? Mm -hmm. So I know about economics, supply and demand. If there's more demand, I mean, if there's more supply, make it more expensive. And maybe we can get even more jobs. I would have liked to see not just go from 500 to 900. I would have liked to see go from 10 jobs to 15 jobs. That would have been pretty cool in my mind. I don't know how many jobs, uh, you know, in, in this uh, whole CNN piece, it didn't say anything about the about the jobs. It said where the money had to uh, be invested. Uh, but it didn't say anything about that. Fascinating to me, something I never knew about. Uh, and, and especially the fact that there are money managers that kind of pool all of this, that get together 10 people who are going to invest $900,000 and figure Ace, out what Do property. these money managers have to be mortgage guys? I don't even know. No, no, you know? no. They're, they're actually um, just, you know, regular. I mean, they could be on Wall Street. It's, it's not mortgage bankers at all, no. I could do it, right? I don't need a degree to do that, right? I, I could do that. That I don't know. 
Oh. <laughs> I believe in you, Stephen. I I'm believe in you, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you. I'll just write a check and send it to me after exactly. the show. Or you can call now at 866-970-9622. Here's, here's another fascinating question, kind of in the same uh, thing. I, I, I found out that it's legal to get a mortgage here in the United States, even if you're undocumented. An undocumented immigrant can get a mortgage to buy a home. Ace, it, do you agree with that? An undocumented person. It said here that um, no law prohibits a lending institution from granting a mortgage to or other loan to an undocumented immigrant. To get a mortgage, the buyer needs a valid Social Security card. Well, how can you have a Social Security card if you're if you're not if you're not documented or an individual tax identification number? And that's all that uh, you need: valid identification, such as a home country passport. Well. I, I guess that we sell property to, to people from other countries all the time. Yeah, if they're buying so cash. So I think what's interesting, too, is that the New York City human rights law protects alienage or citizenship status. So in some notes, and I haven't seen it in mortgages, Ace, I'll, I'll ask you more, but there are cases where a landlord said, I need to see proof that you have a green card to rent it to you, and they got sued for discrimination. Really? Really. Wow, I'm shocked. I'm really shocked. Uh, one would think that you would. Um, well, I guess not having green card doesn't mean that you're here illegally. But I guess the landlord would want to protect themselves anyway. I guess that's not the way. Well, I learn an awful lot doing this show. Things surprise me uh, all the time in uh, in researching and writing the show. Uh, there's, there's something else that I came across, um, which I want to ask you if you think this is legal. <laughs> Uh, there's a there's a landlord, a vegetarian landlord. He obviously believes it does, it's in Seattle, wouldn't you know? In an effort to promote his vegetarian views, a landlord in Seattle announced that he's offering $200 discount on the $2,200 monthly rent to tenants who vow not to eat meat. The landlord compares this to other landlords' no smoking policies. Is that legal for a landlord to say, I'll give you $200 off, but this guy next door is eating hamburgers and I won't? So before we begin to the legality, you know what I'm thinking <laughs> in my head? I don't know if you saw this, Ace. Um, Arby's put out a meat carrot. They said they're making a carrot made out of meat because Arby's got the meat. And they're, they're, that's their reaction to all this beyond meat stuff. They're making a meat carrot. So I don't know if a meat carrot would qualify on carrot. this. That's what I'm wondering to start off with. But um, the food so the house. answer to your question is, is it going to hit a protected class? And the only protected class that I see applicable, although I would have to think about this more, is potentially disability status, although I don't see it's protected. For example, a landlord's allowed to do anything as long as the government doesn't make it protected. In New York City, we have age protected, alienage protected, citizenship status protected, color, creed, disability, the list goes on. But being a vegan isn't protected. Well, that's, you know, you've got to go find this landlord, though. You get $200 off your rent. That's just amazing to me, you know, what's going on. Also, there are apartment buildings now, of, of course, and I believe in Boulder, uh, where you have to be a pot smoker. Uh, I guess really? I, really? Well, wow. There are buildings where they, where they welcome people who smoke pot, and if you have a problem with that odor, and I'm sure it's probably up and down all the hallways, that marrow, and it's legal there, of course. Um, you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't rent there. The landlord told is there a regularity so. requirement? Like you have to smoke pot X amount of times <laughs> a day, or how do? 
certain amount of THC. You have to yeah, share is there like a meeting neighbors. where the whole building comes together and reefs it out? What do they call that? Hot boxing or something? Hot boxing. Can you imagine? Well, that's strangely. the board meeting. Imagine how much they get done on voting. They're not bored. At, yeah, <laughs> at those I like that. They're not bored. You know. Well, speaking of which, only half, only half of Americans uh, are happy with right where they are living. The other half of Americans want to live. Now, get this: is in the town next door. Talk about grass is always greener. A study finds that 70% of Americans don't yet live in their dream neighborhood. Of those individuals, more than 50% want to live in a different town, but in the same part of the state. And 20% of them want to live less than 10 miles from their current neighborhood. So it seems that, you know, as people climb in their income brackets, it's likely that they have a new dream house in mind, and they want to, and they want to keep on moving. And I find it interesting that people are not happy with where they're living. I, I'm perfectly happy with where I'm living. AC, you happy with you, – you have 12 apartments or something, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy. Are you happy, happy with your central apartment? Yeah, I am. I am. It's uh, right, right next to the studio, so it's not too bad. Oh, well, that makes it, then that makes it great. What, what about you, Andrew? Do you, do you feel – do you think people want to move on, get to a better So what I thought was amazing is how many people you told us were happy. Like you said, more than 50% aren't happy. That means 50% are happy. I listen to the news, and I would think that we were in a, in a catastrophe going on right now. 56% of higher income bracket have yet to arrive at their dream destination. Americans Which means that the other, other percentage has arrived. Ha- Isn't yeah. that amazing? Or they're happy. Or they don't, yeah. know, they don't need houses. Well, you know, conspicuous consumption, the point of... I mean, one of the things that went on out here in the East End and the Hamptons where all the houses were very expensive, expensive whether the houses became representations of the success of the people. It wasn't that they needed a house that size or a house had to look that way. So we got a lot of bizarre show-off houses um, out here in the East End of uh, Long Island. And uh, that had nothing to do with need or, or uh, the properties that they were being built on. Uh, so... Uh, p- people really care about um, having um, representation of how well they've been doing. And I guess. Even I remember my father saying to me, because my family's been out on the East End for generations. My grandfather was a pharmacist out here when there was a butcher baker and a candlestick maker. And I remember my father saying to me, go into some of these mansions and you'll see they have no furniture. Was that true? And his point was that they just make such a show with their fancy car and their fancy house, and it's such a show. It's a, what do they call it, a box of cards. Right. Right. This happens particularly out here, you know, I mean, in in the Hamptons, in the east end of Long Island. And I love the Hamptons. I'm a a big supporter, and I've been here for 38 years, um, and I've written about it, you know, love letters to the Hamptons. But what what happens, though, is in the summer— there is a huge influx for three months. Huge. You know, East Hampton has 22,000 year-round residents, including children. And on a summer weekend, it's 100,000 residents. Wow. You know. So, and oh, they're all showing off. It's, it's impossible. None of them know how to drive their cars. Their cars are garaged. 
And they honk, Stephen. They like honking. What's that about? Hon Over the winter, there's no honking. Look at look at me. Look at me. So we're gonna we have to take a break for the news. But uh, Andrew Lee, Ace, and I are gonna be back with my Conti, our insurance expert. So please stay with us. Stay with us for that. Especially if you have a swimming pool, we're gonna talk about swimming pool liabilities today. So we'll be right back after this wonderful news. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.